Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. SG Extra, only on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. You're with Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go, And it's time now for Powering Your Property. We bring you the latest in property sector news and updates. Now, we know that inflation has made a comeback between the highs and lows of the pandemic and, of course, the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict as well. And given the growing cost of living where people carefully evaluate returns on investments, the real estate industry is facing a critical question. What does this mean? for investment in real estate. And can real estate really provide a partial hedge? Well, Stefan Wondrak, Senior Director of Real Estate Research at Nuveen Real Estate, joins us now to fill us in. Hi, Stefan. Thanks for joining us. Hi, great to be here. Now, Stefan, the thing is, real estate investments generally perform well, even in inflationary cycles, but not always, right? Some analysts have pointed out that when inflation is driven by higher costs of utilities and food, as it is now, such investments can actually be hurt, especially if consumer salaries are not rising in tandem. And even when it comes to commercial real estate, higher borrowing costs due to central banks raising interest rates to fight inflation can hurt cash flow. It can hurt profitability and such businesses may look to cut real estate related costs. So what do you think? What is your stance on this? Can it be a hedge or at least a partial hedge really? History tells us it it very clearly can be a partial hedge to inflation but it really depends on the local circumstances. You already mentioned that the current type of inflation, cost-driven inflation driven by fossil fuel costs is not sort of the ideal precedent if you look back in history, sort of the 1970s, 80s, when a similar thing happened, real estate wasn't as good an inflation as it was in other periods where inflation was driven by other factors. However, what we also know is it really depends on which type of real estate you invested in and what the local market is like. If you look at past periods where the um, supply of a certain type of real estate might be offices, maybe residential in a certain city, relatively low with high demand, then in inflationary periods, it was it was very easy to keep up with inflation. The rents were growing at a similar pace, or even higher than, than the inflation rate. And currently, globally, there's quite a few markets which are in that state. Um, basically, all industrial markets or logistics markets, are they often called in Europe, have very low supply and very high demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're keeping up with inflation. is not going to be very difficult. Same is true for some residential markets. It's going to be a lot harder, obviously, in retail or in office markets where there are some headwinds in, in, a, local, in, a, in a lot of the global investment cities. So, Stefan, on a geographical level, though, how are industrial and residential sectors faring? They're faring very well, at least on the occupier side. So in terms of demand for that type of real estate from occupiers, it, it still is an all-time high. And even if the business cycle slows it down slightly, um, the main demand for these sectors is coming from structural, for structural reasons. Um, the shift to online retailing, um, the shift in production to more reshoring or e- even sort of shoring back to so the US and, and Europe creates new demand in addition to what we need for, for global trade. So without doubt, I'm, I'm not very worried about um, the industrial sector slowing down on the occupier side. Where I would be a bit more worried is uh, these sectors are priced um, very keenly, so yields are relatively low. And as you said in your intro, with interest rates rising, a sector like that, especially the most expensive properties, might see the price 
fall nevertheless to some extent, uh, despite this very strong tailwinds from the occupier side. Mm. What about other sectors, other parts of real estate? How are they performing, aside from industrial and residential in particular? The office sector, it really depends on which part of the world you are, um, especially in the US working from home has taken hold and you see that in, in office markets performance. A lot of companies are taking less space, they're taking less space in the biggest cities, they're going in, into cheaper cities where people want to live and as a result sort of that market on, on that side is not performing that well. And you can see sort of the, the opposite um, playing out in many Asian markets where people have returned to the office um, working from home is not such a broad societal trend as it is in the, is in the US. And occupier markets, as a result, do very well, and offices are in as high demand as they've been before the pandemic. And Europe probably sits somewhere in the middle where um, there's some more teleworking happening than it was before the pandemic, but not to such an extent as in the US. And what the market in Europe is held by is that there's very little new space brought to the market. So even if there's a recession, developers have been quite sensible and not, didn't bring too much stock to the market and that is helping even in a in a weaker overall economic environment. Mm. Any specific insights on Asia, Stefan? Yes, I mean Asia is a very diverse place obviously yeah. and we have uh, markets like Japan where working from home is not a thing at all so the office markets are not being affected by that and we have other markets like Singapore, Hong Kong, both obviously very, very important office markets which have a similar trend. But there's something else going on in Hong Kong, which is more political driven, which means um, that we have seen companies relocating away from, from Hong Kong to other Asian cities, which puts a bit of a damp in terms of um, how much demand for space uh, from companies is there. And then there's Australia and New Zealand, which um, you know have their own cycle, which is more related to what happens uh, in the U.S. And they also have, like the U.S., um, a much higher rate of, of working from home, which which also means that sort of the, the long-term demand for office space is a bit curtailed um, in, in comparison to cities like um, Tokyo, Singapore, or Hong Kong. Stefan Wundrek is Senior Director of Real Estate Research, Nuveen Real Estate, joining us here on Powering Your Property. Stefan, housing markets in New Zealand, the Czech Republic, Australia, even in Canada, ranking among the world's bubbliest, particularly vulnerable yeah. to falling prices. This is according to a Bloomberg Economics report. What do you make of this unraveling of a massive housing boom? I wouldn't call it quite unraveling because, I mean, I think there's two factors at play here. On the one side, we still have very strong urbanization rates. So even in very developed economies like Canada and Australia, but also in less developed economies, more people moving to cities and there's more demand for housing stock in these cities. And that's part of that boom we have seen in the past. And that's not changing because these underlying factors are still the same. What is changing is obviously the, the financial cost or the financing cost to buy property as well for institutional investors like us, but also for private investors who buy their, their own house to live in. And there, obviously, there has been some froth in this because if money is almost free, um, some people buy houses or some investors are drawn to that market, despite maybe the local uh, fundamentals are not that strong. So I would be very careful about where to invest locally in the future. There's some big cities that have still strong population growth, and there I wouldn't expect uh, much of a change in pricing. 
There's a lot of secondary cities where investors just went because money was cheap, but the demographic fundamentals might not be there to the same extent. And these sort of cities exist in all markets globally, so you have to be very careful with your city choice. Right. So there are downsides to all of this, right? We can't just assume that, okay, since we want to hedge against inflation, we should just go into real estate. You've got to be very, very Mm. discerning about all of this, don't you? So as we move forward, what would your advice be to individuals who are looking to do this as a hedge, specifically as a hedge? What are the do's and don'ts in a nutshell? There's a couple of factors to consider. I mean, one thing, if you look for short-term inflation hedge, you can invest in markets which have index-linked leases, which is the case in some Asian markets, some case in some European markets, less so in the US. With these leases, it's commercial leases, um, the rent simply rises with inflation until the re- lease expires. So you have a short-term inflation hedge as long as that lease runs. In addition to that, if you don't want to rely on that alone and want to rely on market fundamentals, you have to go into markets where there is a genuine shortage of stock. And these are specific residential markets, as we talked about, industrial markets. Um, I would be much more careful about office markets and even less so about retail. I mean, if you go into history, it was actually retail and office who provided the best inflation hedge. But I think that is simply because these markets have been tight in the past. But going forward, it's more residential and industrial where we can expect that, which is going to be much more helpful than that. A last point is there's a lot of new real estate being developed which falls under the category of alternatives. So that might be something like safe storage units, hospitals, and special type of residential hotels, mm-hmm. and things like that, which, which require a lot of management. And here the management has the opportunity to play um, the pricing game. And if it's markets where there's a lot of sort of mega trend demand behind, you know, we, we, people have more stuff, there will be no f- more safe storage in the future. It's quite inflation, it's quite um, recession resilient. There, if you pick um, a good partner, uh, someone who knows that market is, is going to be able to drive rents um, in an inflation environment as well with their management skills. Mm. With a recession looming, Stefan, what exactly should investors in Singapore be doing at this time? Um, diversify their portfolio. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's the most most important thing. Even within the realm you know, of real estate, right? I mean, you shouldn't just look at yeah. residential, you should look at office and other types of retail or commercial property. If different type of commercial properties in different regions and different types of cities, it's a time of uncertainty. And we have some pointers where the markets might be going, but, you know, we always know that a lot of the direction is not clear from the beginning. A lot of things can happen from now on. You know, we have a war going on, we have conflicts, we have trade conflicts, we have high inflation, we have suddenly um, a reversal of monetary policy. That's a lot of things in bond, and none of these things have happened before altogether. So we don't know the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. And investors are best served by spreading their money widely um, because we know real estate markets are not that closely connected. So it's not like equity markets are if the US markets are falling and the rest, all the markets around the world are doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite local and there's a lot of at play um, to pick the best markets for fundamentals, but also the best markets in terms of whatever your currency is, where you're investing from. And if you look, you know, if you want to be as a Singapore investor, you're obviously looking also which currency are at play and relatively cheap for investors in that currency. So, Stefan, knowing what we all know now, what's around us, uh, where do we go from here? What's your outlook for the rest uh, of the year then? 
in real estate, it's going to be a relatively quiet six months because power grid is a, is a is a very slow market. So you don't see the immediate changing in pricing as you see in equities. Um, it takes a while until markets have adjusted to a new normal, and that usually means there's price discovery, people sort of testing markets, doing little investments here and there and seeing where it goes. And that means usually very little is happening. So for investors, they're probably gonna, not going to see many changes in their valuations over the next six months if they already hold property. And if they are thinking investing, it's probably a time to uh, evaluate markets and keep some dry powder to invest towards um, probably the end of the year, beginning of next year. Thank you very much for that, Stefan. Really appreciate your analysis today. Stefan Wondrak is Senior Director of Real Estate Research at Nuveen Real Estate. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.